Hey there, friends. David Lightbringer here, and you know, it's no secret that House of the Dragon is a show about a civil war. At least, season two will be about a civil war. Season one is all about the buildup to that war. All about showing us all the mistakes, selfish decisions, human weaknesses, and political realities that led to the conflict known as the Dance of the Dragons. That means there are all kinds of fun what-if games that one can play, if one is so inclined, with some of the key turning points in Season 1. Now, Episode 6 gave us one of the best tantalizing roads not taken so far. And that, of course, as you've guessed by the title of the video, was Rhaenyra's proposal to marry Prince Jaceres, her eldest son and the eventual heir to the Iron Throne, to Princess Helena, the oldest daughter of Queen Alicent and King Viserys. It is a somewhat complicated proposal, but... I'm going to make the case that it almost certainly would have forestalled war, left all parties with basically everything they want, and would have placed Westeros's future in the hands of two very promising young dragon riders. It didn't happen, though, primarily because of the situations that had already been created by Rhaenyra and Alicent, and because Viserys was a weak king. We're going to unpack all of that today and all the politics involved, so click that thumbs up button and we'll get this show started. All right, so first off, let's meet this potential alternative future king and queen of Westeros. Prince Jaceres is Rhaenyra's eldest son, and of course his father is actually Harwin Strong, although Rhaenyra and Lenor have raised him and his brother Lucerys as their own children. We'll address the politics of the secret paternity in a moment, but just from what we've seen of Jace, he seems very much like the best of Rhaenyra and Harwin. He's ferocious in the training yard and never complains when he's set against the older and taller Prince Aegon, or when Kristen Cole is treating the boys very unfairly. And let me be clear, it's not really unfair to set a smaller opponent against a bigger, as that is good practice for the smaller kid, as any younger brother knows. Instead, it's more the fact that Kristen is only offering pointers and coaching to Allison's kids, but you don't see Jace get a bad attitude, he just fights on bravely. And you'll notice that he did kind of get the better of Aegon until Aegon resorted to throwing the training dummy at him, which is apparently some kind of foul in this sort of training exercise. We also see Jace learning how to train his dragon, and he takes on the task with relish. But he's not over-eager, either. He's following the commands of the dragon keepers and asking permission before taking the lead with his dragon, Vermax. Jaceres hasn't fully bonded with him yet, as Aegon apparently has with his dragon, Sunfire. But it looks like it won't be long, as Vermax obviously responds to Jace's voice and commands. What a cute little dragon, too. Gotta love you some Vermax. As I mentioned in the 10-year gap explained video, I also liked how Jaceres dealt with hearing the rumor that Harwin was his dad by asking Rhaenyra about it directly. Your heart really goes out to the kid and his brother Luke, who now have something of an identity crisis to work through. And tragically, they'll never get to see Harwin again after learning that he is their father. Although it does seem they got to spend some quality time with him before then, so there is that. And the boys will also never get to know their grandfather, Lionel Strong. That sweet, sweet man who turned out to be just trying to offer Viserys good advice, after all. That means that this scene here is actually two grandfathers watching their grandsons, and it seems like Viserys is actually enjoying that fact, even if he can't openly acknowledge it. It's touching and a little sad. So of course, that's pretty much all we have so far on Jace, but I think you can see the direction that he's going. And without spoiling anything from Fire and Blood, I will just tell you that his character continues to come up 
true blue uh, throughout the war. So with proper training at arms, at court, and on dragonback, Caesares has all the makings of a great Targaryen king, save for the technicalities of his hidden paternity and Westerosi law. Princess Helena, on the other hand, is thankfully the only one of Alicent's children not constantly dressed like a forest. I mean, I like a good deep shade of green as much as the next man, but it seems a bit heavy-handed for Alicent to dress all her kids in green all the time, but we'll get to that. Helena is about 12 or 13, so a couple years older than Gisseri's, who's 9 or 10, and we can see that Helena is well cast to remind us a bit of young Rhaenyra and Daenerys. So one of the reasons why Princess Helena has endeared herself to so many people so quickly is that she really does jump off the screen in episode 6 as a kid who's just a little different. She's not only playing with and studying the millipede in this scene, it looks as though she actually collects and studies insects like something of an amateur zoologist. She's good at math, apparently, and overall just has a very cerebral and studious vibe to her. She's also dreamy and ethereal, and of course it seems that she's actually giving some kind of prophetic foretelling when she speaks of Aemond having to close an eye to ride a dragon. I won't say more to avoid spoilers, but the point is that Helena seems to be a dragon dreamer. Her dragon is called Dreamfire, so I really like the choice to make her a dreamer, and it makes sense that the gift would manifest at least once in this generation with its multitude of Targaryen princes and princesses. Helena also shows us something of a philosophical mind when she ponders the question of why the millipede has eyes but cannot see, saying that it is beyond our understanding. And it's pretty funny to watch Alicent sitting there not quite sure what to make of all this. She's like, yeah, yeah, I think you're right, honey. Some things we just can't understand. Pretty good facial acting there from Olivia Cook. So Helena also intuits that Aemond had, once again apparently, tried to claim a dragon from the dragon pit before the guards have even said what had happened. And I thought it was really interesting how she continues studying and commenting on the millipede even as she listens to the conversation about Aemond claiming a dragon. Helena has a lot of presence, almost the poise and calmness of an adult, in fact. She'd obviously do very well at the Citadel if the Citadel accepted women, which reminds us of Septon Barth famously saying that Queen Alysanne would have made a terrific maester on account of her intelligence and cleverness and her other various skills. Those attributes were greatly in evidence all throughout the reign of Jaehaerys and Alysanne, and I think they would have served a grown-up Queen Helena in a similar fashion. So you can really start to see what a good match and ruling couple Gisseris and Helena might have made had the proposal been taken up. And if we're picking which one of the royal couple is going to be the dreamer, I do think it makes more sense to have the queen be the dragon dreamer and for the king to be an enthusiastic dragon rider and capable warrior, as opposed to what we saw with King Viserys, who seemed more confused by his dreams than anything and was politically compromised by being the first Targaryen monarch without a dragon. Helena's intelligence and wisdom, combined with her prophetic insight, would have made her an incredible asset to a King Gisseris. And I suspect we may have had, if, if everything went right, another Jaehaerys and Alysanne type of situation. Alas, it was not to be. So there are three reasons why this wedding didn't happen. Number one, because Rhaenyra had her children with Harwin, making them bastards. And Rhaenyra seems to be only offering this proposal because 
the heat is rising on this potential scandal. Number two, because Alicent was seemingly too obsessed with the not-very-secret paternity of Rhaenyra's kids to see the obvious political benefits of the match for both her and the realm. And number three, because King Viserys was too weak politically to overrule Alicent and make the match himself, or to have thought of making the match years before. So, first things first, yes, Rhaenyra's children are bastards, shout out Jon Snow, and she and Harwin, and Laenor for that matter, if his knowledge is proven, are all guilty of high treason for lying about the paternity of the eventual heir to the throne. And that's why Lionel Strong says to Harwin that his relationship with Rhaenyra could mean all of their heads. So it's really important to understand the basic facts of the matter here. It's not necessarily a monarch having bastards that is treason, but specifically lying about the heir to the throne, or you might say trying to place a bastard on the throne without legitimizing them. Even though Rhaenyra is the Targaryen and the ruling monarch and not Laenor, it is still treason to pass off Jaceres as Laenor's son when he's really Harwin's. Said another way, only Laenor and Rhaenyra's true-born children have a lawful right to the throne. The children of Harwin and Rhaenyra, born out of wedlock, do not. This next bit is straight from Fire and Blood, concerning the accusation that her kids were Harwin's. It says, to so name them was tantamount to saying they were bastards, with no rights to succession, and that she herself was guilty of high treason. So, how do we know that it definitely matters who the father of Rhaenyra's children is? Well, because all of the characters in the story act like it matters. In fact, at a certain point in the Fire and Blood version of events, and possibly down the line on the TV show, King Viserys even goes so far as to decree that, quote, should anyone, man or woman or child, noble or common or royal, mock his grandsons as strongs again, their tongues would be pulled out with hot pinchers. And I can tell you from having interviewed King Viserys myself that he does love to threaten to have his king's guard tear out people's tongues. That's, that's definitely his thing. Hello? Is this Viserys? This is you David. address me as your grace or I will have my king's guard cut out your tongue. The point is that King Viserys does this because of the legal repercussions, the same ones that Lionel Strong spoke of, everybody being beheaded for treason. However, in doing so, Viserys and Rhaenyra have created a kind of the emperor wears no clothes situation, in that everyone has to pretend like an obvious lie is true, or else suffer dire consequences. She flaunts the privilege of her inheritance without shame. She expects everyone in the Red Keep to deny the truth our eyes can all plainly see. And the king, her father. He knows. Of course he knows. The bottom line here, and this is really important, so check this out, is that it's the perception of the people being governed that matters even more than the technicalities of the law. And what I mean by that is that to the extent that it's obvious that Rhaenyra's kids aren't Laenor's, and it is obvious that they aren't in both the book and the show version of events, it's then also obvious that Rhaenyra is guilty of treason. That means that Rhaenyra has essentially created the perception that she doesn't feel like she has to follow the law, and that by default undermines her legal right to rule. It's very simple. If a monarch shows open disregard for the law, then why should anyone regard their rule as lawful? So you see the issue here. And by the way, this is also the reason why Rhaenyra can't just 
legitimize her kids when she takes the throne, or why Viserys can't do so now. If they did that, they would be admitting that Rhaenyra had been committing treason all these years, and that would still undermine her legitimacy of rule. It's essentially changing the law after you've already broken it, and that's obviously not legitimate. Another issue with lying about the paternity of the heir to the throne is that it creates the opening for a succession crisis which can lead to war. And this is really the worst potential consequence of Rhaenyra having her kids with Harwin and then lying about it. Even though it does take two to dance, if you will, and we'll get to Alicent in a moment, the fact that Rhaenyra's kids were born out of wedlock opens the door to her rule being challenged. And as I said, it weakens her politically. So you can see this political liability come into play with Rhaenyra's offer to wed Jaceres to Helena. Normally, any high lord would jump at the chance to wed their daughter to the eventual king. But because so many people correctly suspect that Jace is a bastard, the offer just isn't quite the same. In fact, I think the best way to see this offer from Rhaenyra's side is that she's asking for a bit of a lifeline from Alicent to quell the rumors about her children. After all, the Valarions seem on board with Harwin being the secret surrogate father to Laenor's children. So if the Hightowers aren't questioning their paternity, but instead wedding their daughter to Rhaenyra's eldest, then who would even have the standing to question Jaceres' right to rule? The answer is nobody. So in my opinion, Alicent definitely should have accepted this offer, despite the fact that she is, of course, right that Harwin is the daddy. Hashtag Harwin is the daddy. Why do I say that? Well, because it would have put her grandchild on the Iron Throne, which is ostensibly the goal of House Hightower. And even before that, Alicent's daughter Helena would be Jace's queen. Any chance of a succession crisis between the Hightower faction and the Rhaenyra faction is all but averted, unless Aegon himself grows up and decides to try to depose his sister Helena. But really, without the backing of House Hightower, he wouldn't even be able to mount a credible challenge, so that's not really a possibility either. So yeah, I think it's actually pretty obvious if Alicent accepts Rhaenyra's proposal, even though it comes from a place of political weakness, she and House Hightower basically get everything they want, and without any of her sons having to go to war and potentially die. And remember, the fear of Rhaenyra putting Alicent's sons to death is the danger that she's raving about to her son. And it was also the thing that Otto was raving about to Alicent when she was younger. Now, we can debate about whether Rhaenyra would actually ever do this, probably not most agree, although with Damon, who knows, but there would be no need to worry about it at all if Rhaenyra's son was married to Alicent's son. Thus, wedding Helena to Gisseres ensures the peace of the realm and the safety of Alicent's children. The only thing that Alicent wouldn't have is the personal vindication of exposing Rhaenyra's treason. And here we come to the very personal aspect of the Alicent side of the equation. So Alicent, that, that sweet girl, Alicent, she's, she's pretty clearly become obsessed with, well, Rhaenyra's treason. Have I lost my sanity, Sir Criston? Do my senses lead me astray, or is everyone else asleep, dreaming the same woolly dream? Sometimes seems so, Your Grace. Part of it does stem from legitimate political concerns, of course. As we mentioned earlier, Rhaenyra having Harwin's kids directly undermines the security of the succession. And Viserys just insisting everyone play dumb about it doesn't really make things any better or safer. 
And the king, her father. He knows. Of course he knows. Or did once, but has convinced himself otherwise he'll do naught but make excuses for her. However, it seems like this is also a personal issue for Alicent. As a rule follower, quote-unquote, who's watched Rhaenyra break the rules, it's actually Alicent's very worldview which is being challenged by Rhaenyra. She flaunts the privilege of her inheritance without shame. She expects everyone in the Red Keep to deny the truth our eyes can all plainly see. That worldview goes something like, people who follow the rules get rewarded. Or in Alicent's words, I have to believe that in the end, honor and decency will prevail. Me to hew to that and to each other. Of course, she's saying that to a dishonored Kingsguard knight whose sin she herself hid, and whom we can assume Allison protected from consequences after Kristen murdered Joffrey Lonmouth in cold blood. There's also the issue of Allison feeling personally burned by Rhaenyra's indecent behavior, going back to the dismissal of her father as hand in connection with his having told Viserys about Rhaenyra's night in the streets of King's Landing with Daemon. I think that too was more about Rhaenyra's actions threatening Allison's belief system, but it's really all kind of related. And I think the same goes for any potential jealousy that Alicent feels about the idea of Rhaenyra sleeping with whomever she wants, notably very handsome people, when she has to sleep with the decaying King Viserys. This too is yet another facet of why does she get to break the rules and still win when I played by the rules and don't like my situation. So in the end, Alicent's personal vendetta or Obsession with Rhaenyra's offense against decency prevents her from seeing the path to victory that Rhaenyra is offering her. Her daughter Helena as queen, her grandchild sitting on the Iron Throne, and no need to fear war or the murder of her children. After all, at the end of the day, someone being a quote-unquote bastard obviously doesn't mean anything about their character or their fitness to rule, just as being a woman doesn't. So all of this debate is really just about political ramifications. And if Alicent had decided to play along with King Viserys and Rhaenyra and the Velaryons and the Strongs by wedding Helena to Jaceres, then she could have effectively eliminated the risk to the realm. It may not be quote-unquote fair to put that on her, but that's, that's what she had in front of her. She, in fact, had everything to gain by putting the realm first. But by declining Rhaenyra's offer, she's instead essentially insinuating that her kids are bastards. Why else would anyone turn down an offer to make their daughter the queen? And guys, here's the thing about Alicent's crusade to uphold decency in the face of such wanton treason. Alicent is herself... Kind of guilty of treason also. After all, it is the king's express wishes that she not spread talk of Rhaenyra's children being bastards. And more importantly, the king has clearly expressed his wish that Rhaenyra's kids and Alicent's kids, Viserys' children and grandchildren, be brought up to see one another as family and friends. Family and friends. Yeah, yeah it, it's a telephone plan, yeah. Hello? Is this Viserys? This is you David... Or I will have my king's god cut out your tongue. Anyway, Alicent is directly violating that will by trying to turn her children against Rhaenyra and her children. And in fact, even without any expressed will of Viserys, Alicent is actually committing treason when she tells her son, you will be the king, and not Viserys' stated heir, Rhaenyra. We called it treason when Hobart Hightower yelled out, 
Prince Aegon, second of his name, which implies that he will be the king, and again, not Viserys' stated heir, Rhaenyra. And this is honestly even worse, as Alicent is directly inciting rebellion with the person who is in position to challenge the throne, her son Aegon. So yeah, what about decency? What about tradition? What about the law? What about treason? It's a pointed question that cuts both ways. So there you have it, friends, the wedding of the cute little kiddos, or at least the betrothal, that could have saved the realm, but didn't because of the personal issues, grudges, and mistakes of the various adults involved. I hope you enjoyed the video, and please come and join me right here on Sunday night for the post-game breakdown right after episode 7 airs. Check out the House of the Dragon playlist that you see before you for more analysis and theory videos. And if you're not subscribed to the channel, click on the little orange icon on the screen to rectify that treasonous offense before someone chops off your head. I'm just kidding, just kidding, but I would appreciate it. Cheers, everyone, and I'll see you next time.